0: up with this today and I wasn't going to share it. This was just, this is just some things that I, I'm going to, I have something specific that I want to share, but this I'm going to share because I, I woke up this morning and they were both on my mind. There are two testimonies of times in my life where I knew I was supposed to do something, but I didn't have really the money or the provision to do it. And one of them, um, you probably heard this testimony before, but I just felt like I was supposed to share it again. So I'm going to do it. Um, this was a while ago, uh, I was supposed to take a group of kids on a mission trip and we were going to Romania. Well, how many of you know kids don't have any money, right? They can't go get a job. You know, they just, they just don't have any money. And so we, uh, I felt like we were just, supposed, well, I was teaching them a Bible study once a week. And so we just wrote up a little prayer declaration and here's what we said. We said, father, thank you for your kingdom assignment to go to Romania in June, and we thank you that everything that's needed, to per, needed for this assignment has been provided. We thank you for airfare tickets and great accommodations and signs and wonders and angelic um, escorts and, you know, just all kinds of miracles and just doing exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. And we just thank you for it in Jesus' name. I mean, it was just nice and short. They're kids. We're not trying to, you know, pray some long prayer that puts them to sleep. But every week when we got together, we would pray the prayer, We would say, and then we would spend some time just imagining what our mission trip was going to be like. So I'd go around the room and I'd be like, okay, what do you see? And one of them would be like, oh, I see myself. They'd use their spiritual eyes, which is just their imagination. And they'd be like, oh, I see myself, you know, ministering in in a gypsy village, or I see myself on the airplane and, you know, I'm whatever. I just got a Coke, you know, or whatever. And we would just do that every single week. Well, we're it's getting down to the wire. It's about two months before we're supposed to, like, we have to buy our tickets pretty quick or we're going to miss the deadline and all this stuff, and we don't have any money. And so I'm getting a little bit frustrated. So I just think, well, you know, we, maybe we just missed the timing. We probably should just, maybe we'll do it next year. Just this feels like this is just too much, too soon, too short of time and all that stuff. So I was going to the Bible study to tell the kids, you know what, we're just going to postpone the trip till next year. And we'll do it then. And while I'm driving down, I hear the Lord say, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I mean, you know what I'm doing. I don't need to tell you what I'm doing. You know what I'm doing. And he's like, well, who told you to do that? And I was like, well, no one told me to do that. I just thought maybe, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, uh, well, was this trip your idea? Uh, nope. Well, then is it? do you have actually the authority to cancel it? And I was like, no. <laughs> and he's like, okay. And then he gave me the scripture, the choice of the, he said that the the, uh, the tongue of the just is his choice silver. And that's, um, I think it's Proverbs 10, five. Um, and he said, the miracles in your mouth. And I was like, okay. So I went to the Bible study that morning and I told the kids the same thing. And, uh, so we just did our normal thing. We, we said the prayer, and we just began it. We visualized it again. Well, needless to say, obviously, you know, we ended up going on the trip. We got the money. People, I mean, just things came in. Provisional miracles just came in for all the kids. We all got our money. But then we go, we go, we're on our way. We have to go to Chicago. Then we've got to fly to Amsterdam. Then we're going to fly to Romania. And we get to Chicago, and there's weather. And we can't get out of Chicago. So we end up having to spend the night in Chicago. They put us up in a hotel, which was awesome. We get up the next morning. And I've got all the kids, and I'm like, okay, we're gonna have our little devotional. And one of the kids raises hand and was like, you know, Ms. Lee, I can't, I can't hear, I can't hear God. And this little kid's name's Mike. I was like, well, Micah, first of all, your name is a prophet; you can hear God. I'm like, go over there to the, get it. Go over there for you know, two minutes, and come back and share your word with the group. You know, so and these go, these people were these kids were always hearing God. So I mean, this was you know, so he goes back, he goes and gets his word, and he comes back to the group. We sit down, and I'm like, okay, Micah, what do you have to share? And he says, he says, only thing he said, I said, thank you for your kingdom assignment to go to Romania in June. And we, we sit there for a second and we go, oh. it was May 31st. It wasn't June. We landed in Romania at 1205. On June 1st. I'll tell you, to this day, those kids and I learned a valuable lesson. I mean, it was to the T. Now, that's just one of them. I could could literally stand up here and I could share testimony after testimony after testimony about the things that my husband and I have seen come to pass because we knew the will of God and we just got in agreement with it, and spoke it, and saw it. And so many times, you know, we have instructions from God, but we just are so double-minded. We're so unstable. It's so easy for us to get, you know, it's just like Adam and Eve, the devil doesn't have any new strategy. Did God really say? Did God really say? Did God really say? And so I'm not trying to be religious about it, but I am a little bit, because the reality of it is, is that We forget. We forget we forget and we get distracted. I mean, Mark 4 is real, right? The sower sows the word and then the enemy comes immediately to try to steal it. And then, you know, the cares and the persecution come and, you know, all this deceitfulness of riches comes and we don't have root and, you know, just all these things. Because why? You're, you know, you're, you're standing on what God said, right? And the enemy's just coming to see, like, do they really believe that? Is that really what they believe? Or is that, was that just a good idea? You know, so I just felt like I was supposed to share that with some folks because you know when we the whole point is the enemy tries to get us to faint in our mind because if we can if we can if we faint in our mind we'll faint in our we have to faint here first before you actually faint right which kind of goes in line with what I felt like I was supposed to share today because I I I just released a brand new three video series called Experiencing the Fullness of God and what I'm doing in this video is I'm first of all you can you know go if, I don't know if you can. How do you sign up for it? I'm trying to think how you do that. There's a, a website link to sign up for it and you can't you have to kind of know where to get it. Um, if you go to my Facebook, I think you can find it there. Um, but in this video series basically what I'm doing is I'm teaching out of Colossians uh, chapter 2 verse 9 and 10 that talks about the fullness of the Godhead dwells in, in Christ, right? But then it turns around and says, "In him the fullness of the Godhead also dwells in you." Right, and so it's this whole teaching about first of all recognizing what is. I mean, that is a mind blowing concept that the fullness of the God actually dwells in you. Like that. I mean, seriously, if we actually believe that scripture, like we would. I mean, we 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 should go find some water and walk on it right now. No, I'm not being kidding. Like really, if we really believe that scripture, if we really believe that the fullness of the Godhead was in us right now, what would we actually do? Like it could be a great movie, like where somebody actually believed it. Oh, I woke up one day, and wow, the fullness of the Godhead was actually in me, and so I acted like it. I mean, that would be incredible, right? And so the, whether we want to say it or not, like we all in here, we mentally assent to that truth. Yes, yes, the fullness of the Godhead is in me. But how, much of, how many of us actually experience it? You know, when John Carter talks about these crazy miracles that he saw, where, you know, he's out in the middle of the dairy farm, and the milk starts, the, the church gets milked, You know, or people levitate. I mean, just crazy stuff. Do you know why that happens for him? It's not that he's so anointed. Oh, y'all better hear me. It's not that he's so anointed. He just experiences what's real. He actually experiences what's actually real. And so because he experiences what actually is real, what is real actually comes So the difference between you and John Crowder, or us and John Crowder, is that we don't experience it. And too much of the Western Church, we, we go, we, we just we're, we're hearing. We're hearing, but we're not doing. And my job is I teach you how to do, but not do from a self-effort. Because this isn't a self-effort doing, right? This is a this is a father in me does the work. It's an, it's just a simple so, like I said, it's just as simple as a shift in awareness. It's just an awareness. It's a, it's an awakening. It's a, just a simple. It's true. It's and you, and you begin to experience it. Now, why am I sharing that? Because I am doing a series right now, not in Colossians two, verse nine and ten, which is phenomenal. I'll get the free, free three video series, and I'll talk to you about how simple it is to experience that. But I'm going to run you through a little bit of experiential activation today. Because I've been teaching out of Philippians chapter 3, which is also just insane. I mean, the Bible is insane, you guys. Like, we act like we're sane people in church. Like, we need to just get over the idea that we are doing something that is sane. And like, we're trying to be all dignified in it. No, we are absolutely insane. We believe God Almighty lives inside of us. Like, I'm sorry, that will put you in a straitjacket in all 50 states in the United States. But the bottom, most of us don't even really believe it. We, 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 we I, mean I just, I don't mean that to be critical, but we don't really believe it. Right? We don't really believe it. But we should be crazy people. I mean, John Crowder is actually normal. Why? Because he's out of his mind. And that's, I mean, I get, I get that that, that we are, We are so afraid of the opinions of men. We are so afraid about what people are going to think about us. That we live natural lives. And we conform into an image that keeps us not transformed. Don't be conformed to the image of this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we never get transfigured. Not just transformed, transfigured. Because the root word of that is metamorphy, and that's a transfiguration. So that means that the Jesus in you is about to be seen outside of you. And let me tell you, that's a spooky thought. If we think Jesus being seen outside of us is like the gentle dove. No, he is radical. He is radical. He attracts homosexuals. He attracts the heroin addicts. You know, I tell people, you know, and this is, I talk about it more in Emerge, but, you know, I spent a whole year meditating on the one scripture, Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is way before I read Mystical Union. I didn't even know. I was a brand new believer. And I didn't know anything about anything. And Lord just told me. He just said, hey, I was so insecure and so like, oh, I'm so glad that I got this early in my Christian walk and I didn't get too drawn into this whole works mentality. See, when you have this low self-esteem and you really couldn't do Christianity on your own, like, you have a really weak will, right? Like, for me to be a good Christian on my own, <laughs> that would have been a, really a miracle. That would have been a miracle for me to actually be a Christian. I mean, I was crazy, like, literally, literally, like, I was diagnosed with manic depression. Like, I literally was crazy. And so, for me to be a good person and be a good Christian, I mean, like, that wasn't going to happen. That was not going to happen because I made a decision and I followed a 10 step program. Like, I was not going to be a good workspace Christian. I was going to have to be a grace based Christian. And, like, anything that happened was going to have to be him. Right. And that's such a gift. Oh, that is a huge gift. That is a huge gift to not have to go through being delivered of self righteousness. God, that's a gift. You know, where you're just continually trying to, to, to do something that's impossible for you to do. No matter how hard you try. Right? And so, but I meditated on this scripture, Christ in you, the hope of glory, for a whole year. And he would tell me, stand in front of the mirror till you can see it. Well, you know, I didn't know what he meant. Like, I'm standing in front of the mirror. Like, I'm just seeing me. I don't know what he means. I didn't know about enlightened eyes of my understanding. I didn't know that my imagination was actually a spiritual faculty, I didn't know that that was what you were supposed to use to see the unseen. And then if I did know that, you know, I mean, you think, oh, that's the occult or that's New Age or something. I mean, they just hijacked it. They just hijacked it. The enemy doesn't have anything of his own. He owns nothing. He's had to hijack it all from humanity. And so he just hijacked it and just taught people that didn't know God how to function like that. And so as a believer, we're supposed to be functioning like that, except it actually be God, you know? And so he's like, you have to, you know, use your math. I mean, I was just like, I didn't know anything. So it was just really simple stuff. He just would take me and, like, teach me the scripture. and then So I'd stand in front of the mirror, and then I really still couldn't see it because then I'm like, well, which, you know, what do I see, Christ in me? Like, I'm like are, we, are, we going, are we walking down the Sea of Galilee? Are we, are, we, are we doing miracles? What are we doing? And he said, if you really want to get it accurate, you've got to go to Revelation chapter 1. It's so Revelation chapter one, I like to call scary Jesus. Because Revelation chapter one is like this resurrected Jesus with eyes of fire and hair white as wool and, you know, feet like burnished bronze. And he's got the key of hell and the key of death. And he's just like this badass, you know? He really is. Like, if you've read Revelation one, like, it is incredible. Like, this is incredible. He's like, I am he that was dead, but now I am alive and I'm alive forevermore. And I hold the keys of hell and the keys of death. And John like pff, dies. Like he thinks he's dead. He falls to the ground as though he's dead. And so I'm reading this and he's like, that's who's in you. That's who's in you. And he's like, now see it. So I would just stand in front of the mirror till like I, like pretty soon I'm like, dude, like I can see those fire eyes. Whoa. Like you really, you know, and I would just, I, I, I would dream every single night I'd go to bed. And it was like I was, you know, Buffy the vampire slayer, but I was like, Shalice the demon slayer. And I would like cast out, I me mean, it was literally like 10 million ways to cast out a devil. Every night when I went to sleep, just, you know, just like casting out devils. Crazy. Crazy. I mean, one time, I mean, I actually got delivered in a dream one time. That was amazing, too. I was on the mission field, and I mean, I, wow, that was insane. You know, because I stopped drinking. If you were here last night, we're going to try to get the recordings. I think we have it from this weekend because last night John taught on uh, money, God, beer, and sex. It was incredible. I laughed so hard. Like I've never met anyone that has 20 million metaphors for sex. (laughs) Like you know he had to Google those. I mean, like you can't just like come up with all those on your own. That's incredible. But in that dream that I had, you know, but, but up to that point, like I stopped drinking for 15 years. Um, because I was a partier. I mean, like massive partier. So, I mean, I went through this whole season where I would just drive by the liquor store and just thank God that I didn't have a desire to go there. I mean, I remember I quit drinking before I actually was delivered. And so I would go into the grocery store and it was like the wine aisle would be like, you know, you want me come over here and drink me. My favorite brand is right over here on aisle number eight. I mean, literally would talk. You know, and when I was on the mission field, I had my, like, I was normally, you know, Shalise the demon slayer, but this night I went to sleep, and I hadn't been drinking, but I wasn't free, and there's a difference, and um, I went to sleep, and in my dream this night, one of the intercessors of the church I was going to at that time came into the, I was in the bathroom in the dream. And she came into the dream and she was so creepy. She came up to me and she was just like this like angel woman coming like this. And I laid down on the ground and she laid on top of me like Elijah, you know? And I got totally delivered. I woke up in the middle of the night. My I mean it was like a spirit of fear was in the room. It smelled like sulfur. And it was like my hair was on all like all on all on my arms and stuff. And then I was like, I mean, it was so scary, but like only for like a half a second, and the presence of God was like BAM on my bed and then i was like it was peace and i'm just like hammered to the spirit and i got up the next day and i was dry i was coming home from the, the mission field and cuz i had drank so much that like i couldn't drink orange juice cuz if i drank orange juice it tasted like a screwdriver like my taste buds were so perverted i'm not kidding like i literally couldn't drink orange juice it just always tastes like a screwdriver and so i got on the airplane and you know airplane orange juice is like the worst on the planet isn't it the worst orange juice like why can't they get like some you know non pasteurized or something but I'm on the airplane coming back. I think it was like Columbia or something. I'm coming back, and then I'm like, I had that dream and stuff, and I'm just like, God, I'm so sick of stupid, you know, screwdrivers when I drink orange juice. And I hear him just go, just taste the orange juice. And so I got that crappy, you know, airplane orange juice, and I tasted it, and it was like fresh-squeezed Florida. I mean, it was the best orange juice I ever had, right? And I remember going, when I got home, I went to, This baby shower, and I had crazy friends, and they were laughing like champagne with strawberries at the baby shower. And um, I remember if I'd gone before, I mean, champagne was like my favorite, right? So it would have been like talking to me the whole time. I mean, I'm just staring like a weirdo at the glasses of the champagne, just like, oh, my God, like it's not talking. It's totally quiet. This is amazing. Like, I mean, it was just freedom, like freedom, total freedom. And so for 15 years, I mean, I would just like, I mean... I was so free. I mean, I didn't drink, but I, it was like I just just had no fathom of it. I don't know how I got on this. Oh, I know how I got on it because I'll talk about Chili's, the the Devil Slayer or whatever. But that has a good ending to it. But I'm going to go back to the Devil Slayer because when I was meditating on Christ and you, standing in front of the mirror for a year, I would literally go to get gas and heroin. I lived in Chicago. I had this was right when I was starting inner, inner, inner city ministry. And I'm telling you, heroin addicts would come up to my window, knock on my window. I mean, seriously, crazy people. People have always said, the craziest people are attracted to your ministry. Uh, not y'all. Y'all are fine. But, you know, I think the craziest people were attracted to Jesus. You know, and so when you start to get a revelation of this, like not just, not just a revelation, but you experience it. You actually experience it. All right, so I've been teaching. I'm not going to take a long time. I know I'm acting like I'm taking a long time, but I'm actually going somewhere. So we've been we've been in um, Philippians 3, right? For those of you that have been following along, I've been telling everybody, read this, read this, read this, read this. This is amazing. And my I'm going to start with really verse 10 because that's where the Apostle Paul really, this is the Apostle Paul's why am I here, right? His why, his life purpose. Here's what he says in verse 10. I'm going to read an amplified version. It says, for my determined purpose is that I might know him, that I might progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly, and that I may in the same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection What way? Well, I want to become more deeply and intimately acquainted with that. I want to perceive it. I want to recognize it. I want to understand it. I want to understand not only him, but the power coming from the resurrection. This is incredible. And he says, which it exerts over believers. So this power that came up out of the resurrection wasn't just at the resurrection. It's in us now. And he said, I want to know it. I want to know it. And that Greek is gnosko. So it's not just a know it. I don't want to read about it. I don't want to, you know, hear about it. I'm going to experience it. I want to perceive it. I want to become acquainted with it. I want to, I'm going to know him. And I'm going to know the resurrection. And then he says, So that I may, this is the reason why he wants to share the resurrection, by the way. He says, so that I may share in his sufferings. Now we read that and we think, okay, we just, we're going to share in his persecutions. We're going to share, like, we, I don't know, suffering for Jesus. But that's not the suffering he's, Paul's wanting to share in. He's wanting to share in the crucifixion. He's wanting to actually know gnosco He's wanting to know the crucifixion and the resurrection and God himself experientially. He wants to perceive it. He wants to become acquainted with it. He wants to get deep inside of God. He wants to get deep into the crucifixion, deep into the resurrection. And then he tells you why he wants to do that. He says, I want to do this so that as I, so he says, I want to share in his sufferings as to be continually transformed. There's that word transformed again, better translated transfigured. So I want to continually, right, be transfigured in spirit into His likeness, even into His death. So now I want to experience His death too, right? So that here is the reason. Here is the reason He wants to experience all of that. The reason I want to know God. Reason why I want to know the resurrection. Reason why I want to know His crucifixion. Reason why I want to know His sufferings. Reason why I want to know His death. Because that, if by possible, I might attain to spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead while even in the body. Here's what he's saying. I want to live a resurrected life this side of death. I want to experience all of this so that what he got, I actually manifest. So I'm going to step outside of time, and I'm going to go beyond my own death to the place where I'm actually resurrected in him with my new glorified body, just like he was, except I'm going to live that way this side before I ever die. Now, that's a life purpose. Now, that's a life purpose. That's something worth going for. And then he says, now, listen, we read this, we read this so out of context. Well, I'm just going to press towards the mark. What mark? The prize of the high calling. What high calling? That high calling. To live transfigured right now. To live resurrected right now. To live and experience what actually was done for us 2,000 years ago. To actually manifest it. To manifest it. Not just preach it. Not just know it. Not just share it with others, but actually manifest it. And then he says, that's in verse, right, 12, not that I've already attained this ideal or that I've already been made perfect, but I press on to lay hold of and grasp and make my own that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me and made his, his own. So this is what he's also saying. He's saying this, is, this was Jesus' purpose. Jesus got me for this. And I'm going to lay hold of the thing that I was laid hold of for. So I'm going to make my own the reason he made me his own. Dude, this is incredible. Like, this is so incredible. The potential. The potential. I was just sharing a little bit of my Christ and you thing just because, you. I mean, again, you don't know where I came from. But let me just say, like, it's impossible to think about what is possible. When you lay hold of these things, it's impossible to think what is possible because what's possible is impossible. And then Paul's like, hey, he's like, I don't consider brethren that I've captured and made this my own yet, but here's the one thing I do. I forget those things that lie behind, and I strain towards what lies ahead, which what lies ahead? More of knowing him, more of stepping into this, more of actually living a transfigured life. Like That's what I'm stretching into. And let me say this, yesterday's failures are not the place to be looking. How many times you've been around this mountain is not the thing to be focusing on. I'm preaching to myself, amen? It is not the thing to be focusing on. Like, when, I mean, you, that's when he's saying forget the things that lie behind. Like, I mean, let me, you know, I say this all the time. God finances our learning curve. Because we have a learning curve. There, I mean, like, what are you going to do? Like, skip your learning curve? Huh? No, I mean, like, he, like, or it surprises him or something. Like, no, he's gonna, he's, no. But you just gotta, you gotta start today. We gotta start today like this is today. Today, my determined purpose is that I might know him and that I might progressively become more deeply and acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. Today, I'm gonna experience God. Today, I'm gonna experience the resurrection. Today, right this second, right this minute, the present is perfect. So right this second, I'm going to experience him. Right this second, I'm going to know him. Right this second, right this second, right this second, right this second. I'm going to do this right the second. I'm do this right the second. You know, I've been walking around with these nail scars in my hands for about six weeks. Oh, you haven't seen them? Look. They're there just because you can't see them. They started one day a while ago in worship. I just remember seeing them. And I'm telling you, the first time you see something like that, you you know, humility would, false humility would say, well, who am I to be walking around with Jesus' nail scars in my hands? Like, who am I? Like, I did not actually go to the cross. I can't even, you know, not go to McDonald's. Right? So who am I to think that I should be walking around with the I mean, like, I didn't earn these things. I didn't do anything worthy of this. And so we immediately, out of this humble place that is not humble, it's prideful, try to reject that that is right. But until you can, until you can have his nail-scarred hands as your hands, you still are believing that you're, you're alive. And as long as you're believing you're alive, you actually are acting like you're alive. And as long as you're acting like you're alive, you're not acting like him. So it's quite the accomplishment to be with my spiritual eyes seeing these things. And I'm telling you, I see it like it's just weird. It's random because I forget because I'm a person, right? I mean, I got two little kids. They're irritating. They're joyful, But they're also, I mean, anybody got kids, I can be honest, amen, 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 right? And so you forget. I mean, I don't walk around with my nail-scarred hands, you know, making mac and cheese. I should. I should. Right? Why? We forget. You know, our enlightened eyes are the greatest gift, Our, our, our ears that have been opened to hear his voice. It's the greatest gift. Our spiritual senses of smell and touch and taste are the greatest gifts that we've been given as believers because it's the faculties that we have to actually do what Paul said his determined purpose was. Now listen, everyone in here has the equipment you need. If you close your eyes right now and I tell you to see a red fire truck, now I get that most of us have grown up. We're grown up now. We don't make believe anymore. We're all, we're all serious now. We're serious and grown up and practical people. So this idea that I'm going to use my imagination to imagine Jesus, Shalise, I just don't know if this is a really good idea. Do you not know how many responsibilities I have? How many things on my to-do list? I do not have time to be sitting around using my imagination. No, Really? Little kids. We are little kids in his kingdom. We are little kids. And make-believe is never... We're never supposed to grow out of make-believe. Make-believe. Think about what it's called. Make-believe. It's called make-believe for a reason. Because if all things are possible, if you can believe, what is more important than you play in make-believe? And so we make believe that we are in Christ. We make believe that we are seated in heavenly places with him. We make believe that the same spirit that raised up Jesus is in me. We make believe that we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. We make believe. And we make believe by seeing it. Now, I'll tell you, I do this all, the, I do it all over the place. And I start with people. I mean, I'm, you know, and guys, I work with I get the privilege of working with people that have been through so much hell in their life. I mean, Hell. Hell that you would not believe. Like, hell, like, sometimes I'm like, I hear it, and I just, I don't know how I even, like, I don't, there's certain things you just shouldn't hear. You know, and people's imaginations have been shut down. Um, for all kinds of reasons. I mean, sometimes it's as simple as, you know, they were made fun of as a kid, or people told you, you're just a daydreamer. You're never going to amount to anything. And so they, they just shut those, the, that make-believing capability down. They shut down that childlike wonder and that place where we give ourselves permission to just make-believe. You know, and so I always start by saying, let's just make sure that your imagination's actually working. Now, that may seem like a really stupid thing, but there are some people that it just doesn't work for because things have happened in their life that shut it down. And so I say, okay, let's just, and I always use this example. I don't know why. I'll just say it. Like a red fire truck. So if you close your eyes, I, sometimes you can see better. But you just close your eyes, and you just see a red fire truck. You're like, at that is not spiritual at all. No, it's not spiritual at all. You know, experiencing Christ is as simple as seeing a red fire truck, though. The difference is that when you see him, the atmosphere shifts. You know, when I train people to heal the sick and, you know, just operate in signs and wonders, I I do not use principles. So I don't teach them, you know, 60 ways to grow out legs. Although we can. It totally works. It's awesome. It's amazing. It totally will work. You can learn principles all day and you will heal people left, right, up, down, sideways, right around, you know, whatever. It's great, but the problem is, is that you learn principles and you don't know the person. And the person is the point. And so to me, it's way more important that you experience Jesus because Jesus, this is the way he did, this is the way he taught people to heal the sick. He says, you only do what you see the Father doing. I do what my own self, I can do nothing. But such as I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I don't seek my own will but the will of the Father that sent me. So but the Father and I are one. The Father in me does the work. So he operated from a place of oneness. He operated from a place where he was just hanging out with Daddy. And daddy would say this, and daddy would do that, and daddy would da-da-da, so it's three days, you didn't go visit Lazarus. Why? Because daddy wasn't going to visit Lazarus yet. He went operating on a principle that may work and didn't work. Why did he have a 100% hit rate? Well, I think because he was communing with Jesus. I mean, communing with the Father. I think he was doing what the Father said to do, and I think when we're doing what the Father says to do, it's like Tim's testimony. When you do what the Father says to do, it works out. The provision shows up. The bill gets paid. Why? Because you're doing what the daddy said. I mean, do you know that that actually always works? It actually always works. So our problem is that we're not doing that. And really the problem is because we don't know how to do that. And we've never even thought that was possible. Much has been taught how to do it. But like we actually operate out of principles because principles are better than nothing. But, and you know, principles are hit and miss. Because we're st- upper, a lot of times we're operating the principles out of an illusion of separation. Am I making sense? Yeah. Whew, okay. So red fire truck, you're there. Okay, now all you just go from red fire truck to Jesus driving it. The moment Jesus shows up, you're in. You're in. Now, if you really want to have some fun, jump in Jesus driving the fire truck. Because really the goal is to experience him from the inside. And I'll tell you, this will ruin you. It will totally ruin you for all kinds of prophetic nonsense. Why is it nonsense? Because you're never experiencing him. Who wants to go to the throne room? I'd rather sit on the throne in him. I mean, the throne room's great, don't get me wrong. But I'm going to feel unworthy in the throne room. If I'm in the throne room, I'm gonna feel like no wonder John's line is dead. Now, I mean, I'm not trying to be irreverent. I'm trying to be like, this is the truth. Like, I remember I went to this one thing. I don't want to say who or whatever, and it was just about this, you know, bringing your stronghold down from heaven. You know, we're bringing it down from heaven, and they went up into the like, I think it was like a courtroom or something of heaven. And I'm sorry, the whole time I'm there, I'm like up on the judge's stand playing with the, the, the gavel. I'm in, I mean, like I'm in there, I'm like in the judge. I mean, I couldn't even participate. Because it was too late. I already got in. And I'll tell you, th- that is where you take the John Crowder weekend. You take the weekend and you make it yours. And how do you do that? Really simple as simple as seeing a red fire truck you practice using your enlightened eyes I get that at first it's a little strange I mean you guys I didn't start doing I mean I didn't start this way I didn't start I started I was an idiot still I'm an idiot but I was a real idiot that didn't know oh you know how to it was okay that I was an idiot there we go you know I mean just just I just just it's really simple so if you can see a red fire truck, you can see Jesus. And if you can't, this is one of the reasons why it's a really good chance, really good idea to go do a rapid mind session because it will help you track, you know, break through whatever that thing is in your heart that shut your imagination down. Yeah? So let's do it. Okay? Close your eyes. All right, we're gonna, we're gonna do something. Okay. And I just want you right now, wherever you are. I want you to just imagine, let me think about it for a minute. All right, let's just imagine that you're standing in front of a door, okay? Now, the door, just whatever kind of door it is, maybe it's wooden, maybe it's fancy, maybe it's simple, I don't know, but just see the door. And I want you to just turn the knob. All right, Now, now that you're in there, I mean, really, this is the place where all things are possible. So just whatever you see, we just trust that that's what the Lord's wanting to show you right now. Now, if it's appropriate, I would say let Jesus show up in that place. Because we stepped into Christ, but now I'd like Jesus to step into you because you're surrounded. You're not just in him, but he's in you. So let Jesus show up and then let him step into you. And then one last step, and then we're going to do some things. I'd like you to grow big so that the Jesus that you stepped into, you now become the size of. Whoa. So... You're in Christ, Christ is in you, and you're in a really big Jesus. And then from this place, I just want you to feel and let whatever comes, come. If you want to look at your hands, you see there's nail scars there. If you want to go look at a mirror, you can look at a mirror. I mean, really, whatever, from this place of union, whatever you want to see, just see. And I know sometimes when you first start doing this, I mean, it really does feel like make-believe or you struggle with it and you're just like, ah, oh, this just doesn't feel good. But The word says that we become mature because through reason of use, we've exercised our senses to discern good and evil. So maturity is practice. Maturity is, is you know... Thank you, Jesus. I'm just going to pray for you in this place. So, Father, I just release an impartation over every person here, Father. I just release enlightened eyes. I just release, Jesus, just encounters with you. Greater depths, greater, greater, greater depths. Let them see, let them feel, let them taste, let them touch, let them hear more. Well, awesome, you guys. I would normally just let us stay here a little bit longer, but it's Sunday morning, you know. We're in the Western Church. we got to get out. Yeah. So, um, but here's the deal. You can go back there anytime. It's yours. If you struggled, um, really, if you struggled, I really do recommend that you sign up for one of our Rapid Mind Real Free sessions. Uh, Why? Because our minds get hindered by experiences that we've had in the past. I mean, for example, I'm working with a guy right now who grew up in the Catholic Church. And that that experience in the Catholic Church has really impacted his ability to be intimate with God. And, you know, meaning what? He wants to encounter God. He wants to be intimate with God. He wants to be able to see God and taste God and touch God and experience God. You know, but in his heart, the image of God. Even though he mentally agrees, in the in his subconscious subconscious mind, he, he he's not he's not able to connect. So God has God needs to show up. God's got to show up there. God needs to show up there, where he, God meets you where you are. God meets you right where you are. Sure, come on, Sandy. If we had time, that's what I would do next. I would just have us come up and just share what we encountered. Because let me say this about that. You know, when I first started Emerge, I actually did two years of it, just kind of like a research test run with Emerge with a live class. And we would spend time at the end of the class every week encountering God. And we would come up after that in the microphone, and we would share what we got. And I can tell you what you encounter you carry. People would come up on the microphone and begin to share experiences they had, encounters with God that they would have. And let's say, you know, hey, they they met the father, and, and father's joy was just, you know, they were elated with joy. He was throwing them up in the air. And I'm telling you, the spirit of laughter would just hit the room. Why? Because they encountered that, and now they carried that. So what you encounter, you carry. And we don't owe the world a message. We owe them an encounter.
1: I just want to tell you that I've only had three RMRs. And I I led a whole life of abuse. I was born as a baby into an abusive family, so I never knew love, nothing. And so when I started these RMRs, um, it was crazy. And one of them was, I was just told Shalice a week ago that I was delivered from fear of darkness at 59 years old. I had to shut my closet doors at night, had to sleep with a light on, because I was afraid there was something in there all the time. And so what happened in my arm art, and I'm just gonna quickly tell you, that just it, a lot has happened in all of them, but there was this thing after me because of sexual abuse, okay? And I knew it was in this closet, I tried to hide as this, this little kid, and I knew this evil thing was after me, and I, no matter how hard I, I, I hid, it could find me, and it wanted to kill me. And it was such a real fear that it was still bothering me at the age of 59. So Deb led me into this, and all of a sudden I, I she said, Jesus, what do you want Sandy to see? And all of a sudden I could, because this was gray and black closet, and everything was dusty and ugly, 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 and the presence of evil was very powerful. And all of a sudden I started to see wood floor like this, just in my mind. And then Deb goes, well, how do you feel? And I go, oh, it's still still bad. It's still bad. Even though I can see the floor, it's bad. (laughs) And then all of a sudden in the darkness, a light string appeared. And I'm like, whoa, there's a light string. And then so Deb goes, well, how do you feel now? And I said, well, it's kind of like a three. And she goes, well, Jesus, what do you want her to do? What do you want to do with Sandy in this room? And he just took my hand and he goes, chink, The whole room lit up, and there was nothing there. It was that simple. All he does is come in, and he puts the light in everything. And that's what that was. I can sleep really good now. There is no fear. But what happened with these three RMRs is that my creativity came back. And I have had encounters with Jesus where he's taken me into his garden. He's led me up the stairs. My gowns keep changing. He took me through this pillared room of gold pillars, and I didn't even know where it was. Then he said, come on, let's go up higher. And I walked into the throne room, which I've never been. I never even thought that was going to happen for me. And he told me to sit on my throne. And just what she said today, I became so tiny you couldn't even see me. And he said, I want you to stop thinking like that. That's not what you are. He said, "How come? why don't you come over here and sit on my throne? It was the most beautiful, soft wood throne I've ever seen in my life because of my imagination has been cleared and healed. And then after that, he said, well, how do you feel? And I was just doing this, and I said, this is pretty good. And I was laughing, and I didn't shrink because I was in his throne. I was in him. I've learned to be able to step into Jesus and just do this, and it's real. And then after that, he goes, come on, I have got something for you. And he opened these great, big, round, beautiful wood doors, and we walked in, and instantly I was in a bridal gown, and he was in the neatest tux I've ever seen in my life. And I don't know if any of you have seen Beauty and the Beast with the ballroom where he and Belle danced around. That's the room we were in but he showed me this parquet or mosaic floor that was all wood stars. That was just, it was real. It's real. And he said, I made this floor for you. And he says, and I want you, this whole room is for you, and I want you to come see me anytime you want to. So three RMRs. And it, he's just continually healing my mind because of that.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Yay, Sandy. Yeah. So we'll wrap with that. But just to say, God wants everyone, every one of us, He wants encountering Him like that. Every single one of us. Everyone. And let me just say this if if you think that that's not you, like I'm not that kind of a person, I'm not created that way, that's a lie. That's a lie. You know, sometimes, and I, we'll close with this. Sometimes when I would leave, like you know, different things that I do, and we lead people into these things. I mean, I would get in the car, and I could feel the Father just thanking. Like it's like, thank you, thank you, and like it's almost. I'm like, I'm overwhelmed with him, thank with him thanking me, because he hungers for this with you so badly. He wants this for you so badly. He wants this so much. Like it's it, I, the words don't. Describe it. It's just silly to try to talk about how desired, how much you are desired, how much he wants to reveal himself to you, how much he wants you to know him, how much, no matter how much you've learned, how much he wants you to know, he wants you to know it all. He wants you to know him the way he knows you. So I always say I have the best job on the planet. So, Father, we just thank you. I, I just release encounters. Greater encounters. I don't care how much we've encountered. I don't know how many things we've seen. I don't know how much we've learned. How much we, how much ever where we are today, God. I just pray that we would experience more. We would experience more that we would just go beyond hearing about and learning about, and we would just experience. We would hear your voice more clearly. We would just, just have visions and dreams, and and I just lift up those that just struggle in this area. For whatever reason, God, they just seem like, you know, they're just, they're, they're designed to think. They're thinkers, God, and you think with them a lot. But I just, I just, I just pray, God, that you just go after that that thing in them that says it's not me. That's not how I was designed to function. And I just pray God, you know where the roots of that stuff were planted. There are no handicapped spirits. There are no handicapped kids in the kingdom. Everyone's got the same, same equipment. And so I just release that in Jesus' name. And I thank you for it. Amen.